Thursday, the 2nd of February in the year of our Lord, 2023, and it's just coming up to noon here in the UK. Bit of a different show today. Um, we've got the lovely Gary Jones, who I must apologise again for having a breakdown trying to interview him after, I think we are in hour 22 on the first podcast-a-thon, and Catherine and I were were a little bit delirious and poor Gary was so patient with us where we just couldn't control ourselves. So um, he's just written a book. So he's done so much support for public child protection. Wales. he's come on our show. He's He accompanied Darren on the walk. He's written a book all about unidentifying um, UF, UFDs, are they? UFOs. Um, yeah, you, uh, yeah. So I'm engrossed with Skinwalker Ranch, absolutely obsessed with it. But things have been going on in Wales. And uh, Gary Jones, hello, welcome. Tell us all about what's gone on in Wales. Well, over the years since I've been investigating um, UFO sightings and cases, I mean, quite a lot. I mean, I've written two books on uh, some of the sightings I've had. They're, they're my two biggest ones, the one being the Penturk incident. That one's gone Pretty much global. A lot of people are talking about that one. But uh, Can we start with that one then. Let's talk about that case. Tell us all about it. Well, it happened on February 26th, 2016. There was a buildup of military activity of planes and helicopters and boots on the ground and vehicles and things. But in a particular area of Penn Turk near Cardiff, uh, a plane had been circling taking it in turns with another plane uh, over the specific area in a farm field just behind uh, some some uh, some housing estate. And neighbours who were curious as to why it was there, one night decided to do a skywatch because they just contacted the MOD. They asked Wales Online, is there anything going on? No one seemed to know anything. And just one night they decided to do a skywatch and... I'll cut the story short because it takes a while to explain. But after a few hours, um, what they were watching for, suddenly it appeared. Some massive triangular pyramid-shaped craft which emerged in the space, as Kaz Clark would put it, like it came through some sort of veil or portal, if you will. They ran from their garden to the farm field by the gate, and there it was, all lit up. You know, It was this massive, massive triangular Pyramid-shaped craft. and What year was this, Gary? What year was this? 26th of February, 2016. So we're coming up to the seventh anniversary now. And um, okay, Carry on. Yeah. Um, there were two witnesses. Kaz Clark is the one that's gone public. Uh, another one we call David because he doesn't want to have his true identity known. So we just give him an alias. And, um, yeah, there was the, this massive craft and it, let off at least 15 to 20 other smaller craft, but they were already, before it even appeared, they were already military planes circling the area. And when it emerged, I mean, the military went into full, I can only describe it as combat mode. They had Chinooks up, uh, Lynx attack helicopters, Apache helicopters, Merlin helicopters, C-117s, E-3 centuries, and I believe in a couple of jets may have been up in the air that night. And I do know now, that later on, at least one of these smaller objects that came out of the larger one was shot down over Smilog Woods, which is behind Royal Glamorgan Hospital. Wow. Wow. So did anybody get any footage? Um, somebody does have some footage. That's a bit of a story. But there's been a bit of an issue with another UFO group who I won't name uh, on here. 
But the story is covered on uh, our website and on our PenTurk YouTube page. We did a presentation, me and Kaz Clark, in June of 2022, yeah, down in Newport. And the full story's there. Somebody does have video footage and photographs of it, but there's a bit of a bit of a, t- a bit of a back and forth going on with another UFO group who seem to not want us to have it. Like so, well, there's plenty of witnesses. We've uncovered a whole no- load of witnesses. One, the two witnesses, Kaz and Dave, were in the field and saw the pyramid and all the other smaller craft. But we've also now discovered that there are two people who one of them has come forward to tell us that they were actually in the forest, Mylog Woods, I should say, sorry, and they actually saw what crashed. They actually saw it themselves. And, uh, and, 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 well, they were high, they were camping there. They loved the outdoors. They heard some commotion, you know, like explosions and things. And they went down to the area where they saw a lot of activity. They stayed within the trees to not be seen by the, military who were there and people who were wearing like funny white forensic suits. They said they, that's what they saw. But as they looked up into the area, they could see something that looked like a, um, well, they describe it like a, uh, if you've ever seen a, a Coca-Cola bottle when it's like that glass shape one they do. Yeah. Yeah. Cut the top off of that. And you just leave like, you know, the sort of like hourly glass shape kind of look yeah. to it. Yeah. That's what it pe- appeared to be like laying in the ground. And it was, they're, you know, covered in some broken trees and, and um, bramble bushes and God knows what else, dirt and all that. They saw it and they came out of the tree line onto the road area. And as soon as they were, they broke cover of the trees, military men grabbed them, <laughs> threw them in the back of the van or truck or whatever they had, drove them out of the area, someplace in Talbot Green, I think it was. And... Uh, then they took their phones and did something to them, like they wiped them or something. And um, they were told never to go back or not not to go back there. And uh, they haven't said anything for a long, long time about this because they've been really scared and really nervous. And we have had one of them contact us. He has given us, uh, you know, he's, he's allowed us to record him and what he said. But making it public isn't so easy right now. We're, we're going to transcript it and we're going to present it soon enough. Like, so you got to understand these people are really scared and they're really worried for them, their lives and their livelihoods and they don't want anything threatening that. So it's, you got to be really careful how you deal with them. Of course. Have you, this just reminds me, you saying that they saw it crash, etc. the white suits. Have you ever heard of a talk by, a, he's a, half Hoppy, half Apache Indian. His name's Robert Morningstar. And it was his, him, his, his grandfather. This is, it was before Roswell or it was just after. And it was near one of the um, indigenous reservations. There was a crash and they were out on a mission, their, their vision quests. In other words, they're out, you know, out there probably smoking peyote or doing their ayahuasca, getting their vision, etc. And they saw it land. They thought it was part of their, their journey. So they followed where it went and they saw it and they managed to, oh, I'll send it to you. It's a very fascinating, and this resonates. It sounds exactly, you know, the, the scene that you were just explaining very much sort of like says exactly the same. 
as what Robert Morningstar said. So that's uh, I'll send you that link. It's very, very interesting, Gary. So that was the first. Was that the first one? Or you said that there's been a few. So this was. 20- um, well, yeah, I mean, I've done a few other investigations. I mean, the Pentuk one is still ongoing because we're learning. But uh, me and Cass Clark have done a few presentations and we've written a book and we're hopefully going to do a big presentation in the summer, you know, really just putting it all out. It's going to be like a day long event, but it's going to be have to be organized. But I mean, I'll be I'll mention a few others before I get onto the book one. Then Um, uh, there was a man in Merthyn named Gareth Harbord. He witnessed some lights with his children when he was driving down towards a shop. Uh, It was during the time when NATO was coming over to Britain and Biden was flying on Air Force One and all that. You know, they they saw these funny orange lights up in the sky. They thought maybe they were lanterns or balloons or something or whatever. But they were actually moving independently of each other against the wind or with the wind and staying and disappearing at will. And I got some video footage of that and I managed to interview him and I put together a case on that one. That was very interesting. Um, there's another one I call The Lantris and Red Orb that was done by Richard Oliver and his partner, Emma. Richard is a paranormal investigator of his own. Uh, what was that all about then? What was that all about? Well, they were filming a helicopter, a police helicopter, which was over um, some place called Power Station Hill. Near, it's not too far from where the Pentuk thing happened, actually. And this helicopter was flying around very oddly. And they were filming it. And as they were filming it, just to the right of them, it came into view, this reddish-looking orb. You know, all I can say is like a, it looked like this reddish, shining thing, and it was just an amazing thing to see. And they, they described it like it was a fire or like a, like a lava sort of thing, and it just glowed incredibly. And the helicopter saw it, and it seemed to, like, give it a wide berth. You know, it seemed to know, like, you know, they were looking at each other. The orb continued onwards and went uh, over the power station and out uh, out towards the, the the coastline, and the helicopter just stayed around for a few more few more uh, minutes and then it disappeared itself. But there's also another one I've done. Um, uh, some lady in Caldecott, Cardiff. Um, we call this one the Caldecott Triangle. She was walking to her friend's house. Crossing the road, she felt something above her. She looked up, and there was a triangular craft right above her. It was like 15 feet equal on each length on each side. She tried to film it. She got her phone out, but by the time she managed to get the phone out and where the thing was, it was already hot. It was already going over the the, the bridge, you know, the, the one that connects to Wales and England, the Seven Bridge. And uh, I had that video analyzed. I've done quite a few cases. Um, most of them have video evidence, thank God. Uh, but the one that has real good video evidence is this one here, the Denby Lights. Okay, so is this what the book's based on? This is the book, yeah. This one is from a case in North Wales from January 3rd, 2012. Okay, so tell us the story, Gary. Obviously, people are going to get the book, but can we have like a brief, you know, a brief outline of the story? Yeah. Um, it was a very stormy, windy night up in North Wales in a place called Denby, which is part of the Denbyshire County, uh, a family of four living in that area. One of them named Nathan Thomas. He was 12 at the time. It was like 3 a.m. in the morning. As I say, the weather was 50-mile-an-hour winds, very stormy, gusty rain coming down. 
freezing temperatures, you know, like minus one or zero degrees. And um, no one, no condition for anyone to be outside. But he hears a loud bang coming from outside his window and he looks up to see what it was. And it was his bin being blown over by the wind. It was like one of those big, heavy council bins, you know, packed full of rubbish because it's Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, he looks out into the distance and he sees something shining and sparkling. And he's like, what's that? And, you know, he thinks, he turns back to look at the TV, thinking it's a reflection and it's not coming from the television. He opens up the window and it's actually coming from outside. And as he looks into the distance, he can clearly see what is a oval-shaped object spinning, rotating, and uh, it's got these incredible lights on it. Now, he went to go get his brother. Uh, um, yeah, Alex. Alex is his name. He was 14 then. And his brother told him there's a UFO outside. He's joking with him, he thinks. He's like, no, serious, there's a UFO. And, all right. and Alex gets up. Nathan and Alex are by the window. And both of them are now really mesmerized by what they're seeing. They know they're not looking at something that's there usually so they start filming because nathan was given a camera a camera for christmas and they start filming and they managed to get at least 10 minutes of video footage of this thing and during the time they were filming they woke up the mother and uh, they woke up uh, their cousin or niece uh, which is kira lee her name is yeah He's the granddaughter of the mother and, you know, the, I don't know exactly what the relationship is with the, the two brothers. I think they're, they're her uncle or cousin or something. But um, whatever they are, anyway, they're all related. They're all living in the same house and they're all watching it. And they all, and you can hear them speaking on the camera when they're recording the footage. Um, they don't know what it is. They've, it's amazing. The lights are flashing in a rather randomized pattern, but... They're not flashing like, you know, when you flick a light switch on and off. These are like, they, 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 they appear like pops, you know, like, like that, and then they just sort of dim down slightly. Right. The only way I could describe it is like, uh, like the closest thing I can find is when you, switch, when you flash an old camera, you know, remember the old cameras from the 1950s when the bulbs would flash and they dim down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of like that, but much brighter blue, really bright blue they look. And yeah. They watched it. it. It lasted about 15 minutes. At one point, it tilted up like on a 40, 40 odd degree angle. You know, so this thing was hovering, spinning, and it was tilting itself as well. And it was at, and it was just an amazing thing to see. Wow. So did they get any ex oh yeah, sorry, carry on. What was you gonna say? I was going to say, did you know? Did did it get reported? What happened? But I mean, you, there's probably more of the story. Yeah. So they're at the window. They're all watching it. They've got the cameras out. Yeah, this is this is actually what happened next. Um, following in the days that ha- this this had happened, um, I believe, yeah, Peter Glynn was a like a local UFO researcher, and he had uh, other interests as well. But he, you know, he had an interest in UFOs, and he knew the family from a through a friend. And he went round to see the video footage and he started doing some investigation work and he did some really good uh, preliminary work. I thought, you know, he went to the place, interviewed the family, um, went to the site and had a look around to see if there was any human activity because they thought maybe it's people on bikes or quads or something messing around. Um, or And then he went to 
the I think the police were contacted at one point to have a look to see what it was. They just said it was ramblers, people walking around in the field, but that had already been ruled out. And there was a report in the newspapers, of course, the local newspapers. But at one point, um, there was a, a DJ. Uh, I don't know if you know this. His name is Skrillex, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He uh, saw the video, put it on his Facebook page, the link to the video itself. And that's when the attention of this case really started to grow. It, it quickly gained 300-odd thousand views online for Peter's uh, video. And uh, a lot of people commented on it. And I think there was a lot of interest during that time to, um, I think somebody had done an American show, you know, is it real or is it not? You know, they wanted to look into the, this UFO case, but I think by then they had already done the, most of their filming and they'd gone home. So that was uh, not possible at that time. And I, they didn't really seem to follow it up. And what's amazing is, is that this case went unnoticed by any other major UFO groups like MUFON or something, or any other big groups in, in, in England, Wales, and, or Britain, until I came along in about April 2018, and I actually met the family. Uh, how I met them was I was with this UFO group that I've had a bit of a bother with. I remember I was telling you earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with them then. You know, We were working together, and we were doing some good stuff, and I was really enjoying it. And I met, I met a lot of nice people. I met like Scott Felton, who has done work on the Bearwind Mountain incident. Uh, Margaret Fry was like a, a legendary UFO researcher, as well as Gary Rome. And he also done work on a UFO case. Most people know it as the European Roswell. Uh, I don't know about that. I haven't heard. Oh, it's, in my, it's mentioned in the book. Um, I, I'll I'll send you a link to it sometime. But anyway, it was in 1983. It was something that crashed or exploded over a field and military came in, cleaned it up. But he was able to find a large chunk of something unusual and he started analyzing. It's quite unusual in, its, in how it's designed. Wow. Wow. Anyway. So the Denby family, what did, how, 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 what, what were they after all those years when you finally got to meet them? Um, and, you know, were their stories all still the same? Yes, their stories have never changed. Um, they're still adamant that what they saw was, I'll just say, a, a, a saucer-shaped craft, a, a genuine UFO. And they showed me the video. I said, you actually have the video with you? I said, and they said, yeah, would you like to have a look? I said, yeah, I would, please. And they showed me on that big TV of theirs, and I was like, wow. Wow, you really have got something there. And I was adamant right away that I wanted to look into this more because I'm like, why, why, why is no one, why is no one really looked into this? I mean, you've got something genuine here. And um, I mean, they told me about Peter and what he'd done and he'd done some, you know, he'd done an investigation, but I saw, I, I just realized, you know, there was so much more that could be done. And so I asked them, could I have a copy of this video? He said, yeah, they were more than happy for me to have a copy. They were more than happy to have someone look at it. And uh, I started um, researching the case more and more. I started um, looking at Peter's work and I realized, yeah, he's done so, you know, it's great that he's been to the area. He's got a nighttime uh, and a daytime comparison shots of the window so you can get an idea of where, at what height this craft may have been and what's in the view of the, the window. And uh, he'd interviewed the family, got a lot of details, and he put a lot of in other information together. So that gave me some real good starting points. And I thought, I can really expand on this and add some more to it. 
And so the investigation began. I, I started looking into more, more of the area. Were there any other sightings like this? Um, did anyone report this in a, to the police? Was there anything mentioned in a, um, to say the international airports on radar or something? Yeah. Um, I started uh, asking questions to the family, you know, can you give me some more details? Because I, I, you know, the more I understand about your area, the more I could possibly learn, you know, ask some good questions of the authorities, which I did. Um, and then I just decided, you know, there's a lot of information here. I want to do, I did do a documentary on it first. I did like my own independent uh, video documentary called The Denby Lights. Um, wasn't planning on making that, but it just became too good not to because there was just so much information. Excuse me. And I learned that, you know, Denby was a place that had, had long had a history of strange strange occurrences, you know, paranormal, supernatural, UFO. And it's just like, there is something, something mystical about the place. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, it's, it's something about the place. So any other research has gone up there apart from you and the gentleman you were talking about, Peter, did, was that Peter you said? Peter Glynn, his name is. Yeah. So was there anybody else, anyone else has, has gone up and found interest in it? Uh, no, no, not really. No. One that's actually besides Peter, who uh, started started some of the work. Um, uh, I'm the only one really who's actually gone up there and uh, really done the serious legwork that needed to be done. Because afterwards, I found out that the the video I actually had analysed uh, by a man named Jason Gleaves, who's a former RAF man. He uh, does a book called UF Only. He analyzes photos and videos and tries to figure out what it is that we're looking at. Yeah. And being a former RAF man, you know, military and aircraft, he knows what to look for. So I sent the video to him. He produced a report. He confirmed it was unexplained. You know, it cannot be identified. So therefore it's a genuine UFO. And the video is genuine too. So that was good. I'm not that I needed to know that, but it's just always good to have someone professional confirm it, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, once I, what I was amazed to find out is that uh, so I discovered that a next door neighbor of theirs had done some of his own sort of image analysis work, and he he, he was somehow able to really bring out the the shape of the craft, even though it was pitch black outside and the lights were not really illuminating the, the shape of the object. Somehow he was able to do it, and I asked, "Can I get a copy of that image, please?" I mean. Where did you get that? And they said, oh, our next door neighbor did it. He had an iPad and he did something with the image. You know, he was able to enhance it somehow. And I said, that's amazing. You really have brought that out. You can clearly see it's an oval shape and it's got a red light on top and some sort of flat base underneath. And the lights are all different sizes and somewhat even different shapes. And um, after I was able to get all this, I decided the best thing to do is to go to the place, uh, interview the family so I could get the documentary together and people could see it in their own words. Let them tell you the story like I'm telling you. And, yeah, I learned also, I mean, this is amazing about going to the area. You wouldn't have figured it out if you hadn't gone there, that about six weeks after the event, and this is something that's always uh occurring when major sightings happen part a good section of the forest or the, the woods around the area had been chopped down 
like he'd been cleared of like he'd been cleared of something. Whether it was cleared of evidence, I don't know. But the same thing happened with Panturk, with that crash site area. A lot of the woods were chopped down. It was like when Rendlesham Forest happened. A lot of those woods were chopped down. Uh, there was a case in Nottingham in 19, oh, 1984 or nineteen eighty seven. All that woods was chopped down. It was like. The, the Gary Roll one, I told you, the European Roswell. All the ground was dug up and any nearby trees were also chopped down. It's the same thing with Berwyn Mountain in 19... Oh, God, I'm losing my mind here. 1974, I believe, but the Berwyn Mountain incident, all that ground was cut down and the tr- trees were chopped down as well. So it's, it's something of a theme to get rid of evidence when sites... Yeah. How far away are some of these sites from like military installations? Because obviously you've got the Brecon Beacons, there's a lot of training and everything going on down there. Um, how close are these locations to military uh, military sites? I don't think they're too far away. I'm not sure about the one in Denby, actually, because Denby's out on its own. But I would say they're well within a 50, 100 miles of some of them. All right, okay, that's interesting. Maybe just about that. But um, what I find, you know, it's just like, I said, well, when did that happen? Because this is uh, Margaret Pritchard now. She's like the sister of Linda, you know, the mother of the boys and the granddaughter and the grandma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a family member. And she told me that. And I said, like, well, when did that happen then? And, oh, six weeks after it happened, about six weeks after the event, maybe maybe five. Oh. I was like, oh. And she said, oh, it was a lovely forested area. It was a lovely place to walk. And we went up there and had a look around. And I was like, I don't see why they've chopped this down. They haven't really cleared anything. They've just chopped it all down and, well, maybe it was something to do with the wind or the storm that day. I don't know. But I asked the Denbyshire Council about it and they said, oh, we don't know anything about why that happened. You know, <laughs> it seems every time I ask questions about incidences related to UFOs, no one seems to know anything. The walls come up. Well, it's a bit like uh, talking about the public child protection way or as the barriers go no. up. Can't talk about these things. So um, after what inspired you? So you made the documentary. So what... You said you've written a book. So what inspired you to write The Denby Likes, get it down into words? Well, I'd um, seen how well the Pentuk incident book had done. And I just realised, you know, that's something that's in black and white. It's kind of immortalised a bit now. You know, it'll last a long time in, well into the future. And I just realised, you know, that this case is just as good as any of the other ones I've mentioned, probably even better than some of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it goes up against uh, Rendlesham Forest or Penturk incident, but it's definitely just as good as, say, the Berwyn Mountain or, uh, um, you know, the that European Roswell one I mentioned, because this is happening all too often. This is because it's a solid case with great evidence, great eyewitnesses, video evidence, which has a professional RAF man on top of it, two investigators who have done work for the on it as well, and a family who constantly stand by what they've seen. And I thought, I've got so much of this. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to write a book. And I, I just thought, I'm going to write a book. And that's, that's, I just felt compelled to write it because I knew this was a great case and it needed to be, it needed to be told. And the family are adamant that, you know, they want it to be told. And I, I guess in a way with the witnesses, you know, I, I know what it's like to see things and, understand you know these these incredible events and have no one believe you or listen to you so i wanted to say you know i did it for them as well you know i I want people to hear their work their story let them let them have their their moment here because they've been brave and really um 
courageous in doing all this. All the people who come forward in UFO cases do the same. But it's just a shame the world mocks them, you know, and I'm just not, I'm, I just want their voices to be heard. So that's why I wrote it, you know, all those reasons. Wow. That's amazing. So when, where and when can people get your book, Gary? Uh, the book is scheduled to go on sale May 1st. Um, it'll be available in hardback, paperback and Kindle. I do believe there's an audio um, version coming out too. Uh, there's a, it'll be on Amazon. Um, the publisher is Flying Disc Press by another UFO veteran, uh, Philip Mantle. He's, um, I'm not sure exactly what the prices are going to be, but um, I do believe, you know, that, that this book could be anywhere between, you know, maybe it could be £12, it could be £15 for paperback, but I would say the more cheaper price may, may well be, I don't know, but just depends on what uh, the publishers uh, suggest. Okay, fantastic. So that's that's around May, but we can I mean, we can always put an advert up onto you yeah. know, tactics. So what's next for you, Gary? Now you've, you've the book finished, you're just waiting to be released. Can uh, you pause this? Uh, someone's banging outside. Someone's knocking my door. You're very lucky. Your dog stops barking. Mine continue on for like twenty minutes after the fact. <laughs> um, so yeah so what's next Gary well um, just keep working on the pen turkey incident we've got more more stuff to do I am currently working on a um, other case right now uh, there's a lady from uh, North Canelli uh, her name is Rian Rian Thomas and she's sending me videos of something she's seeing in the sky and um, I'm having a look at uh, all her videos some of them I have confirmed at least two of them are genuine UFOs, and I must say they're quite they're quite impressive when you see when you see them up close. They're very they look like stars, and they have this bright blue arcing color on them. But when you actually check out the time and the date, and you know you can do like the star charts and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's no stars that correspond to that, and there's no stars in that area of the sky for where she is. So. It's not a plane or a helicopter. You can rule that out pretty quickly, but I've confirmed that. Yeah, so I'm going to keep doing that. And, yeah, I'm going to keep uh, working on the Danby Lights because I think there is more to it. Can I – Um, there is something I wanted to talk about, this particular one, actually. Um, what one's that? Well, no, just with the Denby lights. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm going to be doing anyway. So but I was just going to say with the Denby lights. I mean, I want to promote this case. I want to really get it out there. I'm hoping that maybe uh, someone will see it. Maybe do some sort of TV documentary on it if the family are up for it. Of course, I think they will because they want this story told. It's just about you know raising the awareness now and just saying, look, Wales in particular has got some of the most interesting and most unusual cases you can find for such a small country. And, you know, you go on a Skinwalker Ranch, yeah? Uh -huh. You know, those things are really interesting, but at the same time we're getting, you know, Wales has got like a Skinwalker Ranch thing going on as well. You know, there's just so many crazy things happening here and it's about... But where are all your documentaries? Then, so that we, you know, we could get that shared and we can link um, them. It's 
it's on my it's on my Rumble channel, Gary Jones Seven. Um, all my other videos are mixed in there too, you know, with the PCP Wales and the rallies we did up in uh, London and Cardiff for COVID <laughs> and all that. So I put it all on there. I should really get a website sorted just for the UFO stuff, but you can find it on Rumble. Um, uh, type in Gary Jones Rumble. You should come up that way. Type in Denby Lights. Definitely it'll come up that way. Or Pentuk Incident uh, that way. Those are where I put my videos. I've done a few others as well. I have done a few others, which I think are very w- worthy of mention if you want to talk about them. Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Yeah. Well, when I was looking at the pyramids uh, for the Pan-Turk thing, I came across a video, which, uh, I mean, have you heard about the one that was seen over the Pentagon in two- December 2018? No. Well, this is a very interesting one. Uh, I think there was like three different videos that, uh, shot from different vantage points. One was over Arlington Cemetery. I think another one was from uh, the back of... Um, some memorial and another one was a car driving up uh, around the outside of the Pentagon and uh, all these cameras see exactly the same thing there's something pyramid shaped I can only describe it as a pyramid shape and it's hovering silently over the Pentagon and it's turning very very beautifully you know like sort of elegant sort of turning you know um, in a clockwise formation and I thought and this one guy, he's driving a car right alongside the Pentagon car park, and you can see it really clearly. And he comes around the corner, and he's right by the side of it. And I was, I'm just like, that is not fake. That is not fake. I mean, you can fake videos, but that is just that is just crazy. Because I was aware of one um, from the Kremlin in Russia in 2009, I believe. And uh, there was some videos of that one, too. And I thought, do you know? I was speaking with Kath Clark about it, and she said, it looks like that, but obviously mine had the lights, and probably her one was a bit bigger than this one. But I felt, I need to look into this, and I really did a a thorough, you know, I I went into a deep dive research project on this one, and I found so much information. And what I learned is that, for some reason, somebody created a fake video of a woman who was supposedly revealing the existence of this craft, talking about communications with it, as if to try and say, you know, that particular video itself was fake. You know, the three videos that were caught over the Pentagon. Do you, are you following me? Sorry, I was on mute. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there was a lady. I can't remember the, the lady's name right now, but she's she supposedly leaking a video Someone's leaking a video of this pyramid over the Pentagon and that communication has been had. But for some reason, the video can be seen as fake. Someone's overlaid her image over the then, or probably still now, Turkish president Erdogan, is there? Yeah. 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 Um, You can clearly see that that, that's fake, but it's obviously been done very well fake. So I'm wondering, why is someone faking that and then connecting that to these other videos which clearly shows some triangular pyramid object. They're trying to discredit it, aren't they? That's exactly what they're doing. Exactly. And trying to quash it. I mean, those witnesses who saw it have spoken out since. I did a, a sort of like image analysis on the video itself just to try and highlight certain areas and see what we're looking at. And 
one of the things that impresses me is when the, the one video of the guy driving around the Pentagon is that he's passed this uh, this stuff that comes in between him and the object that he's filming, like uh, lampposts and trees and, and small other building areas. And if they're faking that, they're going to have to somehow fake these trees and somehow mess up with the pixelations around the outside edges and all that. Yeah. I mean, that's not easy to fake, you know I mean? So unless someone's done a really good job on that too, I mean, I, I just describe it as real because there's quite a number of witnesses and a number of videos and other things that have come out. And I was just like, wow, I wonder if that may be connected to the Pentuk incident, you know? So yeah, I just decided to do that. And I just know these things are real. And I want, if you want to know what I'm aiming for, I'm aiming for disclosure. I want... There's more and more things being declassified um, at the moment. Things are coming to uh, a real head. It's kind of, a lot more has been declassified. You know, the chasing would be that, you know, where the the fighter pilots are getting chased by something or they were chasing these lights, you know. So I think a lot more is coming out. Um, Maybe not enough in this country. Uh, Maybe a few more freedom of information requests need to be sent in, Gary. Do you know, I've sent off, for the Pentuk incident, I think I must have sent off about near enough 100. Wow. <laughs> yeah, me and um, me and Kaz have uh, teamed up and we make a hell of a team when it comes to investigations. And, oh, I can tell you this. This is the latest news we've had. Um, we were told officially that this was an exercise. The Pentuk incident was an exercise. But... What's happened is we've been questioning the MOD, uh, the Joint Forces Command, the Royal Air Force, uh, the Civil Aviation Authority, and we've asked the Welsh Government and the um, UK Parliament, and we've asked a number of other authorities locally to the area as well, like the Fire Service, the National Health Service, the Royal Mint, you know, because that's connected to the, the Royal Family and... It's a highly secured facility. You know, did you at any time receive any notification of an exercise happening in your area? And every single one of them is a categorical no. Not a single, and when we ask for evidence of notification of the actual exercise in this area for that night, the government, Welsh government don't have it. Parliament don't have it. Ministry of Defence don't have it. No one has nothing. So what that says is quite simply, this was not an exercise. And someone just recently, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, I want to read this out to you. Someone just recently wrote to the Ministry of Defence, and this comes from the the Defence People's Secretariat himself. And it says, um, let me see. Thank you for your email, 5th of December, 2022, to the Defence People's Secretariat, I think that's how you pronounce it, regarding nighttime training exercises conducted in Wales, February 2016. Uh, With reference to the previous Freedom of Information Act response, which was sent to you on the 25th of November, 2022, and your recent communication with Defence People's Secretariat, the Ministry of Defence can confirm the Defence Infrastructure Organisation holds no record of any nighttime exercises taking place on the Defence Estate in February 2016 in South Glamorgan. I hope you find this response useful. Wow. That simply is 
the final, not that it needed to be the final lane on the coffin, but it shuts the door dead on this argument that this was an exercise that night. It's not. It was a combat situation. They came ready and prepared. The Penturk incident proves our government and military know these things are real. They know that uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials are real. And they've obviously developed strategies and uh, cover-up stories to um, deal with the situation. And this is what we've been doing now the last couple of years, is uncovering all that. And um, that's something that we're going to continue to do. And as more and more people become aware, we're finding more and more witnesses uh, are out there. We've probably got about a dozen now. Um, We do want them to come forward at some point, but it's just a question of how we're going to do that. Maybe we can film them behind a, a blank screen or something, or maybe they'll brave the camera and speak to you face to face, or maybe we can do an audio recording or something just to let people hear what they have to say. Fantastic. So, but How can people find you and uh, you've got your Rumble channel, Gary Jones 7. Yeah. Where your videos are. Um, what have you got a face uh, on Facebook or Twitter? Where can people follow what you're doing? I'm on, I, I'm on Facebook. Yeah, and just under my normal name, Gary Jones. That's G-A-R-I, Jones. Um, you can also find us on our penturkincident.com. That's our website. Um, most of my work is, of course, the Penturk Incident. We have a YouTube channel, which is the Penturk Incident again. I'll link all these below, Gary, the, the, below the, the posts. Yeah, I'll give you the links to all these. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, I mean, just finishing up with the book, I mean... The Denby Lights one, like I said, there's another reason why I wanted to do this. It's because, um, I mean, it. we've had so many people trying to say that, oh, it was flares or fireworks, that it was the quarry or the golf course or somebody was riding carts or something around the fields. I have managed to debunk all of that because all you've got to do is a side-by-side comparison and show how it doesn't match up to that. It's not a helicopter. It's not a plane. It's not electrical arcing on the wires or anything. I mean, the reason I do that is because I want people to see that once you eliminate, you know, possible explanations, whatever remains must be, must be it. And it must be, must be correct. You know, this is a genuine UFO. It's a saucer shaped craft. The family are adamant on this. They've never, ever changed their minds. I mean, Alex, in particular, I mean, <laughs> when, when the lights went out, you can hear him on the video. He's like, oh, don't go away. You know, he wants to keep seeing it. They yeah. all want to see it. They're so desperate to see it again. And this is what makes them so genuine. Even now, to this day, it's been 11 years now, and they still desperately want to see it. And I love Kira's, Kira's line. I mean, we were talking about it, you know, she said, you know, well, I'm a big Ed Sheeran fan, but I would I would give up seeing Ed Sheeran or winning the lottery if I could just see this thing again. I said, I said, that's quite amazing, isn't it? Because you think most people would want to take the money. And she's like, oh no, that was priceless. You know, it's it has such a profound effect on people. And it's about time we started growing up about this subject a bit more, I thought. So yeah. Fantastic, Gary. Well. Good luck for the book launch. We will certainly promote it on to on Liberty Tactics. Thank you. And uh, good luck with your future investigations. Thank you very much, Lou. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Gary. So that's it for today. Uh, our Catherine is still poorly, so I'm sending her lots of prayers. She's such a little warrior. She's detoxing and uh, she's getting there. She just needs plenty of rest. Um, I'm going to be back tomorrow with the wonderful Joan Ginsburg. She spoke to Catherine last Friday and I had no voice and wasn't well myself. So it was sort of like ping-ponging on who's going to be ill. But uh, I'm all fit and back healthy, thankfully. And I'm sure Kat will be next week. So uh, that was Gary Jones. I will put all his relevant links underneath here. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow with the lovely Joan Ginsburg from Public Child Protection Wales. God bless. Uh-huh.